2: my friends and welcome to this another episode of the well-rested football podcast my name is josh norris joined as always on this midweek episode by patrick Darty, denny carter gentlemen thrilled to talk to you how are you doing
3: Good. You know, I know most people are probably just listening instead of watching. But if you're if you're watching, you can see that Josh thinks he's better than us. He shaved, quote unquote.
2: Um, oh, I did, too. That, that's just that. Well, then you can't grow facial hair. Mine. Mine is just trimming like Pat. I haven't shaved since they put me in a suit and tie in the middle of an NBC Sports studio. That was the only reason I ever shaved. Shout out Wally Bruckner uh, ever since, Pat. It has just been trimming. And I will say, Pat, like I do grow facial hair but it is red mixed with white mixed with blonde and <laughs> all these different patches. And it honestly adds about 10 pounds. So it's, it's just quick little trim. Mm-hmm. And then I, I sit down and start recording with you.
3: Well, it looks good. Denny has a shadow already is why. So, so maybe he shaved today, but he's already got a shadow. Well,
4: I, I do. I on. trim as well. I trim, I, I oh, don't, best. I don't shave all the way, uh, you know, like a, like a boomer. Like I, I just, uh, <laughs> I, I trim it down. Uh, my, my facial hair is tragically thick. You know, I, I have Eastern European roots and <laughs> I I could grow like the thickest, most fitzy type beard you've ever seen if I wanted to. And But I don't I don't really love that look. So I continue. I to mean, trim. But you're right. I do have a constant five o'clock shadow.
2: Th- this is just the major first world problems because, Denny, it's not just the beard, it's the hair, too. And I think Pat and I would trade you uh, <laughs> every every single day of the
1: week for that.
0: Guaranteed. Life is a highway and on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal. If you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Uh, speaking,
2: speaking of uh, bathroom etiquette, maybe the right way to do this, uh, Denny, I've enjoyed getting to know you a little mm-hmm. bit more. You know, we've gotten your thoughts on fall We've got your thoughts on cereal, pets. I mean, hopefully you, you found that portrait uh,
4: in the recent days. Denny, what are your thoughts on baths? I love, I love that you asked that. Yeah, I, you know, just like uh, cereal, baths are great for kids. Oh no, <laughs> um, I have no interest in a bath, I, and I'm, I mean none. Okay, like I have uh, been sore from excessive softball play in the summer. Okay. <laughs> when I, when I, when I sign up for two or three leagues and I'm playing like every night during the week and one day I just come home and I'm like, Oh my God, I can barely walk. And my wife is like, why don't you get in the bath? Epsom salt, all that good stuff. And I'm like, never, I'm never going <laughs> to do that. I, I'll get in the shower, a nice hot shower, you know, <laughs> loosen up the, the old muscles, whatever. But the, there, there will be no bath for me. There will be, I, I, I'm just uncomfortable. I just don't like, I just don't like the bath. Are you guys bath guys?
3: See, I don't know if this will shock people. I I love I'm a bath guy. I love the hot water. I just let just love the hot water. I gotta have it.
2: How long, Pat, is the Soak? What is the entertainment while while in the Soak? Is there bath bombs involved? Is it bubbles involved? Or is it just you sitting there in your stationary Uh, dirtiness that really what a bath is, unless you like refill the water after, you know, depleting it once as well.
3: No, yeah. It's just a rare moment of centeredness, you know, no, no Uh devices, no, nothing else. Just uh, me and my thoughts. (laughs) Meditation. And and the very hot water. Yep. It's a, it's a, uh, yeah, I was I was trying to think of, i trying to avoid certain words here because uh, I don't <laughs> want any, because it is right. not that, uh, right. yeah, it's really, it.
4: <laughs> I, I think you painted a picture for us, Pat. We, yeah. we, we appreciate that. I, I, I like that, you know, thought about, you know, using the bath as, as a moment of, of meditation. I, I don't hate that. Um, I, my kids take baths all the time. They love to play in there. And sometimes they will spend they will spend so much time in there, and and I'll come back and I'll feel the water, and it's not tepid, it's cold. Like it's actually the water is cold because they've been in there for so long. And I want to say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Your well, kids are, are just nuts are you okay? Like you don't feel this? You know, it's like the opposite of the frog in boiling water. They're 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 frogs in, in freezing ice water, and and I'm at you know I'm asking, do you do you want me to warm it up or something? No, no, we're good. i I
3: will say you should do it after the salt because i got how i got in the habit was i was a cross country runner in high school and every day after practice i would be so sore it's just a it's really good for the the body and the soul denny so all
2: right all right denny since we've learned about pat's meditation period i'm not gonna ask you today but you know if i were to guess what yours is it's Uh the morning Twitter grind. It's what you do like that. That that's where your meditation is.
4: Wake up and firing off those 20 tweets with a cup of Joe. And I think that's, I, yeah, I think that that is the, the opposite of meditation. I mean, <laughs> that's, that was, you know, that is the d- destruction of any kind of centeredness you could, you could find. I know that that was the point of your, your, yes. your comment, but uh, sometimes try not this morning, of course, not post election morning, but I sometimes try to stay off of Twitter for at least a few hours until I, I log on for good to do my my work, which is which is always a challenge because, you know, my brain, my brain needs that dopamine. Yep. If uh,
2: this week has taught us anything, it's that Twitter is also not real life. So maybe huh. hopping off for a little bit is, is is a good thing. All right. Let's get into football. Uh, it is basically the halfway point. We are through eight weeks of the NFL season. Week nine is upcoming. So why don't we, you know, hit the pause button. For a moment. And I thought the best way to kind of review the NFL season is to go position by position, really from a fantasy roster standpoint: quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, and tight end, and name the top scores at each of those spots in terms of fantasy points per game. Again, this is not the totality of points, because as we've talked about prior to the season and we'll talk about after the season, you know, saying David Montgomery's the running back 18. I'm just throwing that number out there. And fantasy Points does not tell you anything about his season. Uh, it's more what he does on a per-game basis in comparison to his peers. Why don't we start off, as we should, with the quarterback position this year. And the QB1 in Fancy Points per game is Russell Wilson at 30.29 points. He's on pace, Pat, for 59 passing touchdowns, 500 and 85 attempts. Now, we know that the Let Russ Cook movement has, you know, lifted to the skies. Everyone is preaching it. You see banners of airplanes crossing your window every single day. But Pat, from a, a volume standpoint, Let Russ Cook has, has not really changed drastically. I mean, he's had years of 546 and, and 553 attempts. But the biggest change this year and what has vaulted him to quarterback one status is is that they're throwing on early downs and, you know, the addition and progression of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett certainly doesn't hurt.
3: Yeah. You know, they're throwing in more advantageous situations. So not where the defense can just lay back on third down and, you know, make everything have. So he's still hitting lots of the deep balls. You know, I was going to say miracle balls. They're not that he's still hitting all the deep balls, but they used to always come, you know, on third or fourth down in the second half. Instead they're mixed in through the whole game and, it's stunning that he's on pace for fewer than 600 attempts. Cause you know, mm-hmm. these kinds of seasons, like you mm-hmm. would never think on fewer than 600, attempts, especially with the way the narrative has changed. Like you said, you would think with Russ cooking, it'd be like, yeah, he would be blowing. He'll probably set a career high, but he's not going to like blow it out of the water and on pace for 59 touchdowns for seven games. I mean, this is like Kirk cousins in my Madden dynasty. I must say, uh, I've reached that. I blew by that number a few times. Uh, just to be frank, but truly video game number. And it's weird though, too, because like, so normally seven games, 59 touchdowns, you'd say, well, clearly even a talent like Russell Wilson is going to regress. I mean, Russell Wilson's kind of been the guy who he kind of always punches above his weight on like his Mm -hmm. touchdown percentage. You know, he's like been a guy that we've expected, you know, for years, like, Oh, Russell Wilson's touchdown percentage is so high. It's going to come down. And it never really does. So I I think we can almost pencil in 50, like 50 is a, a guarantee almost. And, he could make a genuine run at 60. Well,
2: and in comparison, Patrick Mahomes did throw 50 touchdown passes in the regular season, had two rushing touchdowns, Lamar Jackson, and that was in 2018. In 2019, Lamar Jackson had 36 passing touchdowns to go along with seven rushing touchdowns, which I guess in my memory, I thought was way more than seven rushing mm-hmm. touchdowns. Uh, Denny, we talked about the passing attempts and how it's, you know, maybe not even a standard deviation away from his his normality, his normal. You mm-hmm. do have to kind of go back three or four years um, to find those figures. But the biggest differences have been his completion percentage. And I mean, it, it's been an increase by five, six, seven points up to 71% this year. And what was also shocking to me, Denny, is the air yards is basically the same. In fact, it's the lowest it's been in the last three years.
4: I would have, without looking that up, thought that that would have been drastically wrong. Which is strange because his yards per attempt right now is at a career high. Again, I think that that speaks to the fact that he's doing this without massive kind of, you know, Stafford-like volume or Matt Ryan-type volume that's, you know, occasionally these guys have uh, seasons where they push over or uh, push up to 700 attempts. What he's what he's doing is sustainable, I think, for for this year in the way that that offense runs. And I think Pat makes a really good point in saying that we, we've seen this from him. And that's why everybody was crying out for, you know, to let Russ cook because – we've seen this when the Seahawks are down two or three scores in the second half and they have no choice but to let it rip. It's amazing. It's been amazing in previous seasons to watch him do that, you know, to drop back, to make these, these miracle, what do they call moon ball throws, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are deadly accurate uh, downfield shots, the, the way he can avoid rushes and scramble and make plays. We've seen him do that. And, and now, you know, it took a long time, but now they're finally saying, Let's do that. Let's do that in the first quarter. Let's do it in the second quarter. Let's do it when we're up 10. Let's do it when we're up 17. And that was honestly unthinkable uh, in previous seasons The uh, you know by the conservative uh, nature of, of this offense. Now, Pat, I, I think the big question that we have through eight weeks
2: is, is this going to last? And I think a major factor, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is that Russell Wilson is also tied to one of the worst passing defenses and defenses in totality in the NFL. Now, we have discussed that it seems like in the last couple weeks that defense has stepped up. Now they get Carlos Dunlap, Snacks Harrison. Maybe they're making even moves uh, towards a better direction. So, Pat, will this last? Will this last for the next eight games as well?
3: and it's going to have to last cuz i mean the defense couldn't keep playing as poorly as it, was. it couldn't keep allowing over 400 passing yards per game there will be some stabilization but yeah i mean this isn't going to be like a 2019 chiefs story where by the end of the season you're like you know actually the seahawks pass defense is pretty good uh so there's just not enough personnel uh, there for that to happen and i i just i think it will last too cuz we talk about how you know his yards per attempt and his completion percentage are both up and I really think so we like we said, I'm reiterating where I said here. We already knew that in tough situations Russell Wilson could put up these insane numbers. Just the fact that they're letting him do that in the easy situations where the defense, you know, can't be so prepared, you know, it's not so obvious. Like that, I think, explains all the spikes. It explains, obviously, the raw spikes and the efficiency spikes is that he's just being put in more advantageous situations.
2: Yeah, Russ was the quarterback five in fantasy drafts this summer. Quick shout-out, Kyler Murray is actually the quarterback two right now in fantasy points per game, just about two points behind Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott, before his injury, was the quarterback three. And then there, as the quarterback four, is Patrick Mahomes. And like way down the list, around quarterback 14, is Lamar Jackson. not going to ask you guys why that's not working out. I think all of us have noticed it. I mean, just the turnover-worthy plays um, is way up this year in comparison to last year, and we're only eight weeks into the NFL season. All right, let's move to running back. The running back one overall is Dalvin Cook. 25.8 fantasy points per game, and this is all half-point PPR. Denny, this is stunning on some level. First, we always say that winning football games equals rushing success, right? Like when you're up on the scoreboard in the fourth quarter, hey, guess what? We get to run the football and and drain the clock and and move the chains. Well, the Vikings, as we all know, are two and five and have a point differential of negative 31, the worst of any NFC team not in the NFC East. Second, we know that rushing success is also very tied to run-blocking success. Well, the Vikings have two guards on their team that have played over 250 snaps so far this season that have been well below average in run blocking in Dakota Dozier and, and Drew Samia. So my question to you is how is Dalvin Cook doing this so far? Because he is by far and away the number one running back in fantasy football that is on a bad team.
4: It really tests our you know preseason thoughts about – you know, I don't want to take this running back because he's on a, a, a crappy team and they won't have the kind of game script that leads to a lot of rushing. I guess, you know, in, in some cases, including with a Mike Zimmer team, you, you adjust for, uh, for coaching. And we've seen many times this season in some of the ugliest games, uh, the the Vikings will try to establish the run throughout the first half. And it's either spotty or it doesn't happen. And then they have to uh, you know, have a have a pass heavy hurry up kind of offense in in the second half. Now the thing is with with Dalvin Cook is that he's one of the rare every down backs who can still put up points and still kind of save his fantasy day in that you know overtly negative game script. You know, um, both by getting a bunch of goal line touches when they do get around the goal line and by catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, so he's he's not just the early down type guy, as 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 you know, and how everybody who's listening knows. I think that if if you know that a team is bound and determined to run, even if they're it's not going to work, and even if they're bad, you just make that little mental adjustment and you say, okay, like I'm going to trust that Dalvin Cook's going to get the ball no matter what, and that's mm. and that's what we're seeing. And you know, he's uh, he's going to have his biggest weeks usually when they have run away positive game script as they did uh, last week against, against green Bay, it's not going to happen often, but man, when they're in position to run, he's, he's going to get the ball time and again and again.
3: It's just the fantasy perfect storm. Cause he has the commitment. Uh, he's a true three down back. Like he's, you know, very good pass catching back. So it's not even like they're forcing the issue with him. He's just a legitimately great three down back. Uh, he's always been very good independent of his blocking, which, you know, I believe that's usually borne out. And pro football focuses elusive rating. Like he's one of the better runners in the NFL, independent of his blocking, which you know it has to be a necessity, as Josh said, Uh, because this isn't the first time the Vikings have had a, a bad offensive line. And this my this isn't like a great like observation on Dalvin Cook, but it's just funny to me, like how back to back years we've had like one quarter or like one half basically where Dalvin gets hurt. Alexander Madison comes in, and we're like, "Well, you know, this is true. Here we go. It doesn't matter. You know, Alex, Alexander Madison's clearly just as good as Dalvin Cook, and then we always find out very much the hard way the following week that right. Then, okay.
2: then the boulder moves, and Dalvin emerges yeah. from the cave, and then oh, everything is saved.
3: <laughs> like we know, running back can maybe be overrated, but maybe there's a bit of a difference between Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a special, a special now, player. From
2: an opportunity standpoint, though, it's it's really not that different from last year. And he was running back three last year in fantasy points per game, um, 20 rush attempts per game this year. And you talk about his pass passing game prowess, and, and I totally agree with you, but they're not treating him like that. They're kind of treating him like Derrick Henry in the passing game, which should be questioned. Uh, three targets and two receptions per game. Meanwhile, last year was four and a half targets and four receptions. Uh, per game, and that team was 10-4. and If I can do some quick math here on the fly, Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook this season is averaging just as many fantasy points per game as Christian McCaffrey did last season in half PPR scoring, which, uh, I mean, from the conversation, from the narrative surrounding Dalvin Cook this year, he is not getting nearly as much praise as what Christian McCaffrey got last year. Now, speaking of McCaffrey, Denny, I also think McCaffrey being hurt, Nick Chubb being hurt, Saquon Barkley being hurt is is impacting the standing of Dalvin Cook here as number one. But you can't take away, obviously, individually, regardless of the ranking, that Dalvin has just had a special season. Again, in circumstances that we would not really expect it from at
4: all. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you were to tell me that the Vikings would start the season, what, what are they? Two and five? Yeah, they are two and, two, five. Two and five. I would say, wow. You yeah, know, they, they have Cook a record. Is, is be yeah, whatever. It, is going to be <laughs> hurting fantasy wise. Obviously that that's not the case, but yeah, I mean, it, it turns out right now through, you know, through mid season into mid season, the two running backs who worked out for you were Dalvin cook and Alvin Kamara. And that's yeah. the list. Well, let, let's go to Alvin Kamara now because he is the I running. I got to have two
3: closing thoughts and go ahead, go ahead. You're like good. Like a- the reduced passing game involvement I think is probably just because the Vikings are passing so much less in general. You know, they're just mm. – they don't want to put the air in the ball for any reason, apparently even for like running back screens. And the real question with Dalvin, you know, Dalvin got off to this kind of start of last year too, and then he really – he seemed to really wear down. Mm. And maybe with missing a game and a half, maybe the slightly smaller usage in the passing game will help keep him fresher, but that is a question for Dalvin because he did wear down very badly in the second half last season.
2: Now to take advantage of Denny's perfect transition, let's move on over to <laughs> Alvin Kamara as the running back too. He's actually scoring uh, 24 points per game right now in fantasy football. Big picture here real quick, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but last year I mentioned that you had Christian McCaffrey scoring around 26 fantasy points per game. The next closest I believe was Derrick Henry right around 19 and a half. There are four running backs right now in fantasy football averaging over 21 fantasy points per game so like the top is even better this year which again I would not have thought without Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb because two is Chris McCaffrey even though we're not counting him because he's missed so many games Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones those are the four right now with 21 points and over and I think what Pat just alluded to is a factor here in that as the season goes along there's wear and tear running backs being used less maybe they're not as successful as they were at the start of the season. Anyways, that's jumping way out ahead. Denny, my main point here with Alvin Kamara is this. Only 12 rushing attempts per game, averaging 62 yards per game. So from a rushing total standpoint, not too exciting. But with Michael Thomas leaving at the end of that first game with like 17 yards to his name, ever since Alvin Kamara has basically taken a hold of that Michael Thomas receiving workload, I mean he's getting 9.4 targets per game, 8 receptions per game, 80 receiving yards. We rarely rarely see that level of importance of an NFL offense from a running back
4: to the receiving group um in you know the last decade or so. Right. I mean he's in the Ladanian Tomlinson area of a guy who can fairly easily score 25 PPR points without scoring a touchdown. You know, it's that it's that sort of just absurd floor. And if, you know, when he starts to score touchdowns, it's it's just off the charts kind of kind of weeks. You know, when Michael Thomas comes back, if he comes back this year, who knows? I, I would think that the volume, you know, would would tick down a little bit for Kamara. But I think of Drew Brees deteriorating arm if you watched him at all this year, you you can see what's happening. But if you watched him in particular last week against Chicago, uh, there were times when he could step into it in in the pocket and would just throw it at the feet of receivers who were 12 or 15 yards down the field. I mean, it wasn't particularly close. So I, I think that, you know, Breeze's limited ability definitely feeds in, to him, looking to Kamara over and over and over again. Now, I think most starting running backs in the league uh, could be top fantasy running backs if they got the opportunity that Kamara has in this offense. It still happens that he's very good when he gets the ball, especially in space. So, I'm not taking anything away from him, but th- this this opportunity is something we don't we don't see very often. I mean, it's it's CMC, you know, Tomlinson sort of territory, and um, I, I think it could last. Uh, let's just say that.
3: Have a lot of thoughts. You know, we don't talk about politics on this podcast, but I'm shocked neither side made more of a campaign issue of where is Michael Thomas, what is going <laughs> on with Michael Thomas. This is unnatural and weird and doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Uh Alvin Kamara, 17 more receptions than any other running back. Uh, you know, totally insane number. But to me, I don't I don't know what like the, the industry consensus is to me for a running back reception to really be worth it, it needs to be over eight yards per catch. I've always kind of viewed eight yards Mm -hmm. is like the benchmark for running back. And he has 17 more receptions than any other running back. And he's averaging over 10 yards per catch. So this isn't like cheap wasted volume. Like, you know, these aren't like little cheat codes based from the same Like These are actual productive targets and catches from Alvin Kamara. And, you know, too, he's just back last year. He played through two injuries and he's just back to being much more efficient as a runner back up around five yards per carry. And, he got healthy and he's just being so uh explosive as a pass catcher.
2: I mean, I feel like we always especially here when we get to the halfway point of the season, forget all the narratives that occupied our time and, you know, even work life uh for most of the summer and Alvin Kamara's offseason was was rocky. Uh, mm-hmm. one, last season he played And I'm looking at it now on one of our blurbs, knee, ankle, and back injuries. The knee turned out to be a torn knee, which turned out to be a torn MCL. And he was still an outstanding football player in 2019. And then there was a moment this year, this offseason, Pat, where Alvin Kamara was in trade discussions. He was in trade rumors. Josina Anderson came out and said that the Saints were open to trading him. I believe Jeff Duncan came out and said it would take a first round pick to get Alvin Kamara. But a contract extension was the first priority. And that's exactly what happened. It's it's really incredible what we're seeing with Alvin Kamara, as we have all discussed, because he was badly hurt in 2019, was still an incredible producer. And if this is what Alvin Kamara is when he's healthy, which obviously is the evidence, I always go back to this quote that Thomas Davis and Shaq Thompson put out a few years ago, that when tackling Alvin Kamara, it feels like someone that's going limp. You just like slide off of him, which... Defenders just seem to never be able to get like a hold of him.
3: Now he gets skinny and he's very slippery. It is a very, very unique running style.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
2: Should we move over to wide receiver, Denny's favorite position? Yes. Um, The only one that
3: matters. (laughs) Let's go to,
2: let's go. I mean, it hasn't been perfect, Denny. We'll be honest. It hasn't been perfect, speaking of Michael Thomas. Let's go to wide receiver one, Devontae Adams, at 22.7 fantasy points per game. Again, this is half point PPR. I mean, what else can you say? 11.6 targets per game, 8.6 receptions per game, over 100 yards per game. Uh, and it absolutely helps that from the first week of this
4: NFL season that Aaron Rodgers looks better than he has in recent years. When have we seen a wide receiver consistently get 30-plus percent of his team's targets every time he suits up? It's unreal. And I I, I do think that it has to do with the, the lack of legit receiving options around him. I'm just I'm, – I'm constantly amazed by the fact that Teams know, you know, they they know coming in that Aaron Rodgers is going to look to one guy in the passing game, and that's Devontae Adams, and they still get burned uh, week in and week out. So the the just like with with Kamara, I think you know uh, Adams' opportunity is just off the charts, and uh, it doesn't really, you know, game script doesn't really matter a whole lot. You know, uh, Adams has produced in uh, blowout victories um he's produced not not quite as often in uh in, in blowout losses um except for that one against tampa so I, I i feel like he is like one of the most foolproof type players in in fantasy right now because he is just going to be continually peppered no matter the matchup uh with targets from aaron Rodgers. and you're right i mean aaron Rodgers uh, improved play maybe it's a Better understanding of the offense of Matt Lafleur's offense. Maybe it's a better relationship with Lafleur and the and the coaching staff. Whatever it is, he's definitely playing a lot better. People who drafted Adams definitely can see the results.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a testament to the fact that the fantasy industry is occasionally right about something. We right. are occasionally <laughs> right about something. We knew that Devante Adams had have otherworldly volume. Uh, There's so little other target competition there, and he's had it. He's seventh in raw half PPR points, not just average and total points, despite only playing in five games. And Mm. the mind meld factor, just the quarterback who is back on his game this year. And, too, it's, you know, being the only game in town, like that's nice, but it's also tough. Obviously, the defenses can just key in on you, but he's so unstoppable in the red zone, and uh, he just gets open at will. And, yeah, we. What we expected to happen with Devontae Adams has thankfully happened in fantasy. I also feel like we
2: forget the progression, and that's about to be a theme here at this position, the progression of Devontae Adams during his NFL career. I mean, it's certainly not like he he lit the league on fire in his first two years. I mean, he had 446 yards in 11 starts during his rookie year, just three touchdowns. In his second year, he started 12 games 50 receptions, 483 yards, and another score. I, I, I mean, he's going to outscore, obviously, in this season, those two seasons combined easily. And we lack patience at times. We we forget about it. And those opening two years, he was labeled like a bust. And mm-hmm. even at Fresno State, which I believe is where he went to school, he was like a – yeah, he was with Derek Carr there, I believe. He um, was like this jump ball red zone artist that – Um, was great in these contested catches, but he's added so much more to his game ever since. Again, I I feel like we take a little bit for granted, Denny, what he has become because, I mean, he is so in unison. And it, it, it is amazing. This is why it's so much more of a complex game, I think, at times than we give it credit for. Because if we know the ball is going to Devontae Adams, defense is absolutely know that, yet it's impossible to stop.
4: Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't honestly, I, I like don't get it how he first of all, how he sees single coverage so often. You know, you see his big plays. He's not being covered, you know, like, um, you know, Calvin Johnson in his prime when Calvin Johnson had three guys crawling all over his back on every reception because they, they knew Stafford was going to go to one one place. And that was Megatron. Uh, you you don't you don't see that. And so, but, you know, he he continues to uh, to blossom. You know, you talk about his slow start. I remember there were like serious rumors about them releasing him at, really? at, at, at one point, and I think that he, I think, because he's uh, he's a tweeter, uh, and <laughs> I, I believe that he he tweeted at some point last year uh, in reference to those rumors about the huh. the Packers releasing him. Yeah, I mean, there were times when he he couldn't find the field. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, if for forever, it felt like. You know, you would draft him and you would think, well, this is this will be the year like he'll like it'll happen. Like Jordy Nelson's time is up and then, you know, Jordy Nelson would go on to have some insane season. So, um, yeah, I I I, it is it is amazing to see the the Packers have patience and, and have it pay off in in this big of a way. Yeah. And after
2: those opening two seasons, we had three touchdowns and one touchdown. Then he won a streak of 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns in the regular season. And Pat, like counting stats are counting stats, but it's shocking that he's only had one season of over 1,000 yards when Mike Evans had six straight to open his career. Now, it's not totally fair because – you know, he's missed some games Devontae Adams has and he's missed some this year and he had two seasons of nine hundred and ninety seven yards. But again, just from a, a vanilla stats perspective, it, it is fascinating. He's never amassed the totals that we've seen from a lot of other wide receivers.
3: Yeah, I guess this does the injuries and my stat on the progression of Devontae Adams. So Cooper Cup, you know, last Sunday, had like 22 targets, you know, like only one hundred ten yards. So looked up like the fewest yards anyone ever had on 20 plus targets. And like the second or third fewest in NFL history was uh, the Devonte Adams game from 2015. Where hmm. he had like 21 targets. I think it was on Thursday night football and he had like 75 yards. Oh, and I think that's when like the whole industry decided he was bad. And then, uh, yeah, it's a reminder. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, we should not pull the plug so early on everybody.
2: All right. Yeah, just think about that in Henry Ruggs as we move forward. All right, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm, I just had to get it in, Pat. Uh, all right, let's move on to the wide receiver two, D.K. Metcalf. Wide receiver two this year in fantasy points per game is D.K. Metcalf averaging 18 fantasy points per contest, and it's not on a ton of volume. 8.4 targets, just at over five receptions per game, but he hauls it in for 97 yards and a touchdown. Pat, he is on pace for 135 targets. 82 receptions and then you take those 82 receptions and turn it into over 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns. I mean just think about this. 135 targets associated to a wide receiver with an average depth of target at 15.3 yards. It kind of makes me tingle, Pat. <laughs> and that's exactly what DK Metcalf is giving us this year.
3: Yeah, it's insane too. He's been so it's too cuz the volume it's it's good volume but it's not as insane as you would maybe think just based on his numbers, but he's finished under 90 yards one time in seven games. Like that is just crazy. Like that kind of consistency just almost doesn't exist. I mean, we had the the one run from Adam Thielen, I guess we had like eight straight a hundred yard games in 2018, but this is like about as close as you'll ever see to that. And this is kind of like an old fashioned game too. You know, like the whole, before his career the whole scuttlebutt was about his hips you know he doesn't have good hip and like it's not like he's like dominating with route running not that he's a bad he's not like dominating with route running or like dominating over the middle he's like an old-fashioned like 80s or 90s deep threat where you just like cannot contain him on the outside and like his strength is so overwhelming so overpowering there's just not a whole lot you can do about especially when paired up with a deep ball thrower like russell wilson yeah it's just like kind of like a guy in the right place at the right time because mm-hmm. DK Metcalf, like so many other quarterbacks, could be like he could have been a tease. You know, if he just ended up with like Derek Carr or something, would DK Metcalf be DK Metcalf? And hmm. just a great talent who thankfully landed in the right place at the right time.
2: Denny, as
4: one alpha, what is it like watching another alpha and <laughs> <in> DK Metcalf? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you asked that. You know, because I uh, prioritize alpha players as an alpha myself. <laughs> Kidding. Um, no, I mean, you know, Pat makes a great point with like he, he is he does seem like a a, a 90s kind of a throwback, um, just a dominator when the ball is up there. And he certainly, you know, fantasy wise would not be uh, nearly as appealing even in the universe and same appeal if he were catching, you know, balls from a, from someone who was not willing to go downfield or just didn't throw a good deep ball um A so first
3: image to interrupt you baker yeah. mayfield dk metcalf oh, oh yeah. gross yes
4: right i mean anybody attached to baker mayfield is gonna is gonna not not look great but um yeah so it, it i don't i don't know if like his uh domination would translate to every scenario but hmm. this is this is perfect this is an absolutely perfect thing and and i think i know obviously the team and russell wilson realizes this you know they apparently uh him and metcalf worked very closely together in the summer uh to get timing right um to get to know each other a little better apparently i was reading this uh thing on mc and and i'm a company man first and foremost uh and uh and 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 it's 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 paid off uh tremendously this season and it's going to continue uh, to to be like that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about his progression. Here are some figures
2: to back that up. I mean, last year, DK Metcalf, again, I mentioned 18 fancy points per game this year. He averaged under 10 last year, 9.9 fancy points per game per contest. That was wide receiver 40 in fantasy points per game. And he's vaulted all the way up to wide receiver two. Now, what's the difference? And Pat, I mean, you alluded to how, you know, he might not be a, Stephon Diggs caliber route runner, but I would say he's greatly improved in that area since coming out. It feels like we talk about it every single week, just the difference in what Metcalf is this year versus what he was in like week two to week six during his rookie year last season. And while, yeah, hips and ankle bend and all that kind of stuff was always holding him back. I mean, he also had major injury questions coming out of uh, Ole Miss. Like he might be the first person ever to have, you know, who used to have an a, a bad back or neck. Like it always hampers everyone's career, except for DK Metcalf, it feels like. But I'm, I'm looking at like his route trees right now. In week eight of this season, it's basically 50 50 split between the left side and the right side in terms of his targets. Same thing here in week five. I'm looking at week four, he saw the majority of his targets on the right side of the formation. Week three, the majority of targets on the right side of his formation. I am not kidding you that at Ole Miss, he ran 95% of his routes from the left side of the field. And that's it. Just run a straight line, everything off of that. That's what we're going to give you because you're going to be the alpha. So just, we've already seen it. And it hasn't even been, you know, 32 games in his NFL career. Just this progression. It it gives me a lot of hope, honestly, for just these stud athletes that seem to bust like year after Corey Coleman, Kevin White, like can keep going down. Stephen Hill, you know, and it's, I mean, I could keep honestly going on for days with, with those types, uh, but I'll, I'll, you know, be respectful of myself. Uh, but we finally got one who has flourished and really too in his teammate in AJ Brown as well. So,
3: yeah, just the, someone being put in position to succeed. Imagine that. So Russell Wilson being put in position to succeed and DK Metcalf being put into position to succeed and they're running roughshod over the NFL. Maybe more coaches uh, <laughs> consider doing that.
2: So. Yes. Well, if you had a Seattle stack, you will be doing very well this season because we mentioned the quarterback one is Russell Wilson. The quarterback, the wide receiver two is DK Metcalf. And the wide receiver three is Tyler Lockett, just below DK Metcalf in half-point fantasy points per game with 17.7. The volume is a bit different. Nine targets per game, seven receptions, 82 yards. And he's also averaging a touchdown per contest. Yes, both Seattle Seahawks pass catchers, Denny, are on pace to score 16 touchdowns this season. Hmm. For Lockett, 144 targets, 112 catches, over 1,300 yards, and 16 touchdowns here in his projection for the rest of 2020. What do you think?
4: Yeah. Well, the the target tree is you know is so condensed in Seattle that any big performance from Russell Wilson, which has you know been pretty much every week this season. Uh, is going to lead to a big performance from both, or probably both of them in 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 some way, but at least one of them is going to explode because they they have a fifty. So Lockett and Metcalf have a fifty percent target share combined, uh, and you don't see that very often. Just two guys sharing that much uh, of of the you know throws coming from the quarterback, and when the quarterback is hyper efficient and 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 blowing the league apart every week. Uh, Then this is this is what you get, you know, Uh, so they they strike me Lockett and Metcalf strike me as guys who you can have supreme confidence in every week as a guy who can single handedly win your week for you, uh, you know, potentially uh, because of that really narrow target tree in in Seattle. You know, you can't say the same about, you know, guys who are maybe just a little bit under under them you know they're they're not seeing the same sort of blow up games when their quarterback goes off because they're not dominating uh targets in the same way so it's uh it's 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 amazing to watch it from a fantasy standpoint um you know any anybody who was able to stack those two wide receivers and i have to give a shout out to my living the stream co-host jj zacharison who
3: that's I not was, allowed that's I not allowed in, here <laughs> you
4: can edit this out uh i i was uh in a draft with him where he took both but Bo- you know both Let- Metcalf and, and locken and i thought i thought what is he doing this is not going to work it, they, you know they they one of them is going to pop probably but not both and obviously i was tragically wrong
3: well, it was funny didn't it? you hint to like you know basically them both being like too big to fail in this offense and yes i did, i will just say so the bugaboo what? If you were in the Roto World Slack chat, especially last year, Tyler Lockett's inconsistency—you know, would occasionally mm-hmm. have some, you know, like one or two catch performances in good spots, and just like kind of baffling performances, especially down the stretch last year. I guess maybe it was hurt, and it seemed like he had moved past that. But now, three of the past four weeks, he has been forty-four yards or fewer, and like it's not like the usage is totally collapsed. But whereas, like DK Metcalf, basically, like his skill set. Uh, that almost just can't be taken away by any defense like that size and speed combination. Like there's just really no defense for that. And just maybe Tyler Lockett can be is easier. I mean, not that he's ever easy to take away, but it's still like an easier target for like opposing defenses to take away. And that would be my only concern because like, you have to really like, we're like, uh, you know, looking for like small things. So you have to really nitpick to find yeah. issues with Tyler Lockett, but maybe that would be the issue.
2: Yeah, from a fantasy lens, we kind of don't want this team to change at all. Like, hopefully the defense doesn't improve, so they still have to keep Uh, scoring points. I mentioned that DK Metcalf moved all the way up to wide receiver 2 in points per game, all the way up from wide receiver 40. Tyrell Lockett has moved from wide receiver 24 last season up to wide receiver 3. And quick look at the rest of this list. I mean, we mentioned that Devontae Adams was taking the top two rounds. So was DeAndre Hopkins, who's the wide receiver 4, right now in points per game. And then after that, I mean – Randos and some levels. I mean, Travis Fulgham right now. Travis Fulgham is the wide receiver five in fantasy points per game, and he qualifies because he's played five games. He's at sixteen point four points per game, and then the wide receiver six is Jamison Crowder, just four games so far with him. (laughs) So, and and then you get in some you know much bigger names: Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Tyree Kill, Adam Thielen. But yeah, I mean, Travis Fulgham and Jamison Crowder. Imagine looking that
4: heading into the twenty twenty season. We should have taken Crowder over Julio, is, is what I was saying back in July. Gosh,
3: you, know? you knew just all summer on the podcast, we talked about Travis Full. It was like by the end of summer, we, like, did. we stopped talking about Travis Fulgum. This is just getting out of hand.
4: Yeah, I
2: just kept showing highlights of his old Dominion tape, and you guys yes. were just, you were so sick of me. Every single podcast that would come up, cannot believe the loyal listeners will know that one. All right, let's 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 close it out with the tight end position. Uh, talk about travesties. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, this, this position has been awful this year. Yet, I mean, it's, it's somewhat shocking where how unpredictable it has been. Still, easily on top are Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Travis Kelsey with 14.9 points. George Kittle with 13.3 points. Now, that is going to change, and he won't qualify in the, the year George Kittle because he's going to miss so much action. But, Denny, it is fascinating, again, that, I mean, this position just hasn't been good in general, but the one who has been good... Is most obviously the one connected to the best situation, the one who is playing in every game, the one who is attached to the best quarterback in the game, the one who was drafted first, almost unanimously in fantasy drafts, and that is Travis Kelsey. I think it has to do,
4: yeah, and and on a, in a year where you're just like desperate to get any uh, tight end who who is streamable, who might see four or five targets in a game with a heartbeat, uh, yeah, to right right with you know anyone who qualifies as being alive. <laughs> to to have Kelsey on your team is, is just has proven to be a, a tremendous advantage. I think it has a lot to do with the way that the chiefs offense is and how they operate. Because I mean, if you'll notice Kelsey is not catching a lot of like really difficult balls, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of the passes that Mahomes throws to him are just like very straightforward, like 15, 18 yard type passes in single coverage. And, you know it has a lot uh, to do with a, a lot of scheming you know most effectively i think is just clearing out that middle of the field with those speedy wide receivers running downfield the defense being absolutely terrified of having the the top blown off by Tyreek Hill and and Hardman and others and Kelsey just kind of finding his way to a soft spot in the in the defense and and, and taking it and of course he's good after the run uh, and I mean, I'm sorry, he's good after the catch. So it's 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 easy, you know. And and so therefore, you you have this tremendous floor for Travis Kelsey. CD Scouter thirteen just checking the chat, Pat. Oh, I mean, yeah. that was the first time. I, that was exactly
2: what I was going to say. It, <laughs> how defenses are playing Patrick Mahomes in terms of moving two safeties further back and opening up things below. Travis Kelsey is is the one maximizing that more than anyone else, Pat.
3: Yeah, it's true. He's like kind of like one of the classic guys on Sunday where you'll see a tweet, like a sarcastic tweet from someone like, you know, the Raiders ever considered covering Travis Kelsey? What's the deal here? Uh, And yeah, because he is seemingly quite frequently wide open and uh, for all the reasons you guys laid out. You know, Travis Kelsey, not that he entered the season with questions, but he was on the wrong side of 30. He did have surgery. Like kind of maybe the first offseason you could kind of wonder like, will Travis Kelsey kind of start to slow down this year? Yeah. And instead, he has forty two and a half more raw fantasy points and half PPR than any other tight end. And yeah, his importance has he's, he's never been greater to this offense. And he's just yeah, he's he's a hall of famer. I think is he's on a hall of fame trajectory sure. at this point. And yeah, just he's just not going to stop in this offense.
2: He was a year or two removed from a reality TV show. I mean, it was all <laughs> lining up against him. Pat. Uh, before we get <laughs> out of here, Darren Waller is kind of the obvious based on volume alone. Uh, tight end three in terms of fancy points per game. I don't know if you guys looked it up, but you know who the tight end four is?
3: Um, I hmm. kind of do. I was kind of here because I was doing research for my article earlier this week, but I believe it was Bob Tanyan, correct? He's um, he's
2: five. Number four is TJ Hawkinson. Dang, Really? I mean, both Hawkinson and Tunyon, obviously none of us were discussing Tunyon entering the year, but Hawkinson was in that group, Pat, that we spent so much air and energy talking about this summer of the Chris Herndons, the, the Jonu Smiths, T.J. Ho- Noah Fant. And while they've all seemingly had their moment other than Chris Herndon, and that's never going to happen until no. Adam Gase leaves town, um, Hawkinson is the one that has emerged
3: yeah, and they really needed him this week because Kenny Galladay going to be out. But I don't know how long – maybe you guys aren't as logged on as me. I was just texted during the show that Matthew Stafford has coronavirus. Um,
2: really? No. So
3: we will see uh, what happens with TJ Hawkinson because I had him ranked in the top five at tight end this week. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. Denny,
2: putting you on the spot, who is the backup quarterback of the Detroit Lions? I think I know. Is it
4: that uh, Lau guy? No, he got released. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know.
2: Uh, think. Think of think of perfect specimen backup quarterback. Who who has that mark throughout his entire career? Who has uh, made Joe. a career of uh-huh. being a backup quarterback? Joe Webb. Now, is Captain uh,
3: Chase Daniel, folks. Um, it's Chase it Daniel. Captain Chase, Chase Daniels. Daniel. Uh, First okay. lieutenant. Uh, you know what? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's Justin. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be
2: uh, mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. All right, guys. I think we did it. I think that this was a fun exercise. Yeah. Um, let's never do it again. All right. <laughs> For Patrick Doherty. Oh, before we get out of here, Denny. Yes. Target decoder column. Who's in it this week?
4: Yes, that's a good question. I had the pleasure of writing about Evan Ingram uh and a sneaky good matchup against Washington. I also mentioned and as a desperation kind of streamer, okay. So let's keep that in mind. Greg Olson is going against Buffalo and Buffalo has been really, really bad against uh, tight ends and teams have continually attacked them via the tight end. And, you know, Greg Olson is only tight end running consistent routes for Seattle. So that's who I have Ingram and Olson. And I think it helps that, Jason Garrett realized that Evan Ingram could run
2: further than seven yards downfield last week, which is a, a massive development. So he Um, has,
4: if I could just interject real quick, he has uh, 42%. Ingram has 42% of his air yards for the season over the past two games. So (laughs) things, things are happening. Things are happening.
3: Quite a stat. Josh, we got to ask you who's a bust this week.
2: Uh, Uh, Well, one, I'm so glad I did not write one for week eight because you know, (laughs) Good joke there. Uh, All right. For week nine, Pat, I had Drew Brees in there. Uh, Drew Brees is on a streak of three straight 20-plus point performances. Um, But now he gets, obviously, the Tempe Buccaneers, who he faced in week one and threw two touchdown passes against. But that was also attached to a yardage total of 160 yards on 30 attempts. I mean, Drew Brees has been at his best inside the 20-yard line this year, inside the red zone, throwing nine of his 13 touchdown passes. Um, the Bucks, while they are, you know, the number one overall defense, a top three pass defense. One in week one, you know, their cornerback tandem of Carlson Davis and Jamal Dean did not play up to the standards. They only hit Drew Brees twice, which is difficult to do because he gets through the football so often. Um, they're about league average, 16th in in red zone percentage. So I, I expect them to overachieve. Uh, this week at home against Drew Brees and keep him. And even if Michael Thomas plays, I mean, he played 81% of the time in week one, and that didn't really have a major impact on Drew Brees' day. Um, And also, Pat, I just had every single Cowboys wide receiver because there is absolutely Mm -hmm. no way that you could talk me in to playing even Amari Cooper as a wide receiver three this week up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't care about garbage time. I don't care if it's Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert or whatever their names are because – if it was any other quarterback, like even if these guys were passing to these wide receivers who are loaded with talent in other years, I would be more confident in it. But it's a perfect nightmare this year because of offensive line play. So, you know, it's not just bad quarterback play. It's also your bad quarterback's going to be put outside of structure far more often. And that's just not a formula that I can buy into, Pat. So.
3: No, I will say I might have Mario Cooper in the top 36 still, uh, just because. But uh, well, yeah, you'll probably be right based on based on my luck recently.
2: All right. That's going to do it for us. Go and check out Pat's rankings. Go and check out Denny's target Decoder column. We will be back here on Thursday evening with Daigle and with Hayden for the game by game preview show. And I also want to remind you. If you want more preview shows, roto Road Live served by Applebee's noon Eastern on Sundays, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, all those wonderful places. We're there for 45 minutes answering your start set questions, getting a lot of stuff right and helping you set your perfect lineup. All right. For Denny, for Pat,
1: I am Josh up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?